3: Good morning to you, Channel Africans. This is African Dialogue. Uh, a very warm welcome to you. If you're listening to us, we are on the DSTV on the audio bouquet. We're on Channel 802. Or you can live stream us on our website, www.channelafrica.co.za. My name is Ayandam Kwanazi, and together with Dumelo Zulu and Malomagao. we'll be taking you through the next hour. Coming up on the program, while well, the 15 member economic uh, community of West African states, ECOWAS, on Sunday, Mali's membership in response to last week's coup and said authorities must stick to a timetable for a return to democracy but stopped short of imposing new sanctions. So, what is happening in Mali? The latest we're seeing the second coup happen in the ne- in the in within a year. Uh, as we know, last year the the president who was democratically elected was also overthrown. What are the politics of Mali? How does this then impact on the region itself? What can be done to bring stability to this country? We'll do that after the news. Let's go to Onyilinzizi for now. SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African
1: perspective.
4: Thank you, Ayanda. Looking at your headlines, UNICEF says COVID-19 is a harsh reality for children in South Africa. Burundi's President Everest in Daeshmeer on a two-day state visit in Kenya and Israel and Egypt hold talks for possible Gaza permanent ceasefire. <laughs>
3: S.A.B.C. News. Independent and impartial. From an African
1: perspective.
4: With your latest news, I am Onelene The UN Children's Agency, UNICEF, says COVID-19 is a harsh reality for children in South Africa. The agency says children risk becoming its biggest victims. UNICEF South Africa representative Christine Mohigana says many caregivers have also lost their livelihoods, making it difficult for them to attend to their children's needs. She was speaking at the Child Protection Week launch in Benoni, east of Johannesburg. First introduced in 1997, Child Protection Week is an annual national campaign to engage and educate the public to play its part in keeping children safe in families and communities. Mehigana elaborates.
0: The COVID-19 pandemic remains a harsh reality for children in South Africa. Their rights have been severely compromised. Education disrupted and many caregivers have lost their livelihoods. They lost income and ability to care for their children. Furthermore, child health services have been affected and food insecurity has led to reports of many children suffering from hunger.
4: The Pan-African Parliament has confirmed that plenary of the fourth ordinary session of the fifth parliament will resume today. The agenda includes the swearing in of new members and election of the Bureau of the sixth parliament. Contrary to various reports, COVID-19 vaccination and PCR test results will not be a prerequisite for members of parliament to access the premises of the PAP or for participation in the plenary session. Burundi's President Everestine Daeshmiye arrives in Nairobi on Monday for a two-day state visit. He will be the chief guest at Kenya's self-rule Day, Madaraka Day celebrations in the lakeside city of Kisumu in his continued resetting of relations with his neighbours.
5: President Daeshmiye's visit to Kenya will be his fifth African nation tour since he took office in May last year. His tours are a departure from his predecessor, Pierre Nkurunziza who stayed holed up at home since 2015 following an attempted coup while he was attending the East African Community Heads of State Summit in Arusha, Tanzania. In in Kenya, Ndaishi and his host Uhuru Kenyatta will hold bilateral talks as well as discuss Burundi's membership of the EAC, in which Kenya is the current chair.
4: That's a report from Sarah Kimani. The West African Regional Bloc, the Economic Community of West African States, ECOWAS, on Sunday suspended Mali's membership of the Regional Bloc in response to last week's coup. Ghana's Foreign Minister Shirley Ayoko Botchewe said after a summit in Accra. The suspension follows a second coup in nine months. ECOWAS did not, however, reimpose sanctions.
5: The meeting was attended by 10 regional heads of state and three foreign affairs ministers. Also in the meeting, former Nigerian President Goodluck Jonathan, who serves as the mediator to the talks on Mali. The leaders condemned this latest coup and immediately suspended Mali from the regional grouping until February next year, when a new government should take office. He also called for the immediate release of the former president and prime minister of the transition, who are under house arrest. They called for the nomination of a civilian prime minister and respect for the transition period of 18 months agreed upon in February. Mali's new president and coup leader, Asimi Goita, had attended the meeting. Goita was named the new transitional leader by the constitutional court on Friday.
4: Lastly, Israel's Foreign Minister Gabi Ashkenazi landed in Cairo, Egypt on Sunday to discuss the possibility towards a permanent ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. The Israeli FM said a permanent ceasefire would be discussed as well as a mechanism for providing humanitarian aid and the reconstruction of Gaza. Egypt played a pivotal role in brokering a ceasefire earlier this month between the Israelis and Gaza's Palestinian Islamist rulers Hamas, bringing an end to 11 days of intense fighting. Analysts say the latest escalation in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict may have served to unite the geographically fragmented Palestinian community in a way not seen in years. Now our ping on your top stories. UNICEF says COVID nineteen is a harsh reality for children in South Africa. Burundi President Everest in on a two day state visit in Kenya. And Israel and Egypt hold talks for a possible Gaza permanent ceasefire. Channel Africa News.
3: SABC News, independent and impartial from an African perspective.
0: Have you ever asked yourself, what on earth am I here for?
6: When
1: God placed his image in us, he placed a sense of eternity within us.
6: What
0: is my purpose
1: in life? I was made for greatness. I just don't know what it is yet, but I was made for greatness. Life
0: by Design explores the journey of people from around the continent who live a life of purpose. They share their experience on how they discovered what they were meant to do. Join me, Amanda Machaga, every Monday at 8.05 Central African Time for your weekly dose of Monday motivation. Only on Channel Africa, the African perspective.
6: Life by design. Be the update of your life.
3: This is African Dialogue. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you to Onele and the news team all. Today we're looking At Mali, where leaders of the 15 member economic community of West African states held an emergency summit in Ghana's capital Accra to agree to a response to the Malian military's ouster of a president and a prime minister for the second time in nine months. Now, Mali's neighbors and international powers fear that the latest revolt will jeopardize a commitment to hold a presidential election next February and undermine a regional fight against Islamist militants. In a communique after the summit, at ECOWAS said Mali's membership in the block was suspended with immediate effect. Today, we're looking at Mali, we're looking at the st- uh, instability that is happening there. And how does it also then threaten the peace and security around Mali in the region? We've got all it's also a volatile region where we've got um, Islamic states. Uh, we've got um, 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 influences from the outside trying to further destabilize uh, Mali and um, influence its uh, political situation, the, the militias influence there, also the role of the military um, in, in Mali, trying to understand how much uh, power does a vice president have to to suspend a sitting president, which is what happened here uh, in, in Mali. So we do have a Dr Manu Lekenze uh, from the University of Aberdeen. Thank you so much for joining us. Dr Manu, good morning.
6: Good morning. Can you hear me?
3: I can hear you loud and clear. Thank you so much for, for joining us. We do appreciate your valuable input uh, to African dialogue. Uh, Dr. Manu, your, you your impression uh, with what's happening in, in Mali, the second coup in less than a year?
6: Yes, uh, it, it's uh, as we've been talking about many times on this program, um, Mali is in a very difficult situation. And... Uh, the 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 military seems to be the only um, organization left in Mali able to do anything uh, significant. So, to me, it was no surprise that uh, the uh, attempts to move back to a civilian uh, government were resisted by the uh, military. So. It's a very difficult situation uh nobody wants military coups in Africa nobody wants civil wars in Africa. but when you think about it it becomes almost obvious that what else could 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 have happened What has sparked uh, this particular uh coup uh so you we had a coup in two thousand and twenty in august two thousand and twenty where I argue that the military literally walk into a vacuum created by a very weak uh, civilian government. When this happened, the international community put pressure on the military to have a civilian uh, government. So what they did is they picked or handpicked a couple of people and put them into positions that gave the impression that you have a civilian government. And this particularly was the case of the president and the prime minister. But the vice president was a military official, the minister of security was a military official, and the minister of defense a military official. So the power behind the power remained in in, in the hands of the military. So uh, a a week ago, this uh, civilian-led government Decided to remove some key military officials like the Minister of Security and the Minister of Defense and the military simply said, no, we don't want this detained and then dismissed the uh, government, uh, the president and the prime minister. And this is what we are now calling a second coup.
3: What are the reasons? Uh, because it, it appears, according to the reports that we've we've been reading, that um, the vice president uh, was uh, ordered this arrest because the the, the the because of the reshuffling of the cabinet did not quite go his way.
6: Yeah, that's precisely what I was saying. That the vice president, who is a military official, who was the power behind the power, had handpicked. the the president, and uh, uh, the the prime minister. When these two people who are seen to be civilian decided to reshuffle the the cabinet and remove two key members of the cabinet who are from the military, the the minister of security and the minister of uh, defense, the vice president, who is a military official, didn't like this. So he removed them and declared himself president.
3: Let me bring in Dr. Mohamed Diata from the Institute for Security Studies. Thank you so much for giving us your time, uh, Dr. Diata.
2: Thank you for having me.
3: How much power does a military official who's a vice president have to order such uh, an arrest on a sitting president?
2: Well, I think that from the the first uh, coup in August uh, 2020, it was... Quite clear that uh, Asimi Goita was uh, quite powerful, at least in in, in a section of the uh, of the national army, uh, and that has not changed between uh, you know August and now, uh, and so he does have some some leverage and some control over at least the uh, dominant faction uh, of the army. Uh, What is problematic, however, I think, is that uh, he was able to have his, uh, you know, appointment, uh, quote-unquote, as new uh, president of the transition approved by the uh, constitutional court. Uh, And so that is, uh, in a way, surprising because uh, we did not expect him to be able to uh, at least sway the court uh, in his favor.
1: Let's talk a
3: bit about that because that was going to my next question. Is um, now that it has uh, be, uh, the, the the court has legalized it? I mean, what does it mean for Mali going forward? Do they have to then wait for those uh, elections in February that was uh, that they were planned for?
2: I think there's a bit of a of a of a challenge generally with the situation in Mali because, so to speak, what has happened now is that there was a coup within a coup. Uh, and, uh, the, uh, democratic institutions have been suspended since the, the first instance of the coup in, in August. What you have today is essentially a, a transition. As much as there is a level of legality to it, uh, <clears throat> it is not a legality that, uh, you know, you, you would, uh, Typically, uh, I mean, it's not a classical kind of legality. It's a legality that was created given the circumstances that the country is is facing. It is also not a legitimate kind of uh, of regime that you have at this point in time. So, yes, Mali does have to uh, restore a level of constitutional order, uh, and the elections are uh, one way to do that. Uh, however, it is not uh, clear at this point that uh, the current government uh, under Asini Gota will be able to hold uh, elections as planned for, I think, February or March uh, 2020. And that will be the challenge going forward.
3: Dr. Manu, what, what are your impressions with the court's decision? Were you also taken aback?
6: The previous speaker has been talking about legality uh, and and all of that. Uh, It's very difficult to talk about legality when uh, someone who unconstitutionally uh, took over power then gets the constitutional court to declare Mm. him president. I mean, there's no legal basis for a a situation like that. There's nothing in Mali's uh, constitution that says a military can take over power and then get the Constitutional Council. So th- those things are politics. It's just getting a constitutional council to say something so it makes things appear as though they're legal, but there's no legal basis for this in, in any document in Mali. So uh, that was, to me, just a show to to kind of give some credence to to, to the individuals who have taken over power, but nothing more than that. Um, so. That, that question on constitution, that, that that's it, I think.
3: Let's look at uh, now also the latest with uh, ECOWAS suspending Mali's membership. What difference do you think, um, Dr. Manu, a move like this will make in, in such a volatile situation?
6: So uh, previously on this program, I've talked about ECOWAS. Uh, in, the, in, in August, they actually placed sanctions on Mali. Uh, What we realize is that those sanctions have very little impact on Mali. Instead, the sanctions were most likely going to impact ordinary Malians. And they quickly removed the the sanctions. This time around, they've not uh, made any mention of sanctions. Instead, they've talked about uh, suspending Mali from the organization till February uh, 2022. which means literally means they've done nothing. Uh, they haven't done anything that will affect the situation or the political situation in Mali. So, to me, this means very very little.
3: Dr. Diata, what are your thoughts with the suspension of um, Mali's membership to to the Ecowas body?
2: Yeah, no, I agree with my uh, my colleague on the line that. Uh, uh, the, uh, suspension is, uh, merely symbolic. Uh, it, it, the, the only thing that it does is that, uh, you know, Mali won't be able to participate in the activities of, of ECOWAS and, and probably by extension to, uh, the African Union, but it, it has no, uh, actual bearing on, uh, you know, the, uh, internal dynamics at the moment in Mali. Um, and, um, so it will do very little. The sanctions were, uh, or are typically the way to go, except that, uh, in the case of Mali, as my colleague just uh, reminded us, there were uh, repercussions on the uh, lives of ordinary Malians when those were instituted in, uh, back in August 2020. Uh, but I think that targeted sanctions perhaps on some individuals could uh, be a better way to, uh, have a, a level of uh, of leverage uh, on them, uh, I just want to just for, for a couple of seconds mention that we we are discussing here, mm. uh, you know the uh, the dynamics, the power dynamics <clears throat> at the helm of Mali. But while we are we are talking about this, uh, the uh, the country is also experiencing a lot of evil as we've known since 2013. The situation in the north uh, and center of Mali. So. It's really unfortunate what is happening in Mali because uh, the the backdrop of this uh, uh, you know political battle in Bamako is that the country is experiencing uh, instability uh, and the socio economic con- uh, conditions and and situation of the con- of, of the country is is not good at all.
3: If we if we reflect as well uh, now, Doctor Diate, now that you're bringing it a bit a bit back. Has there been a change? Have things just gotten worse in Mali since the coup in August, and now?
2: I think there has been uh, there has been very little change in in my view, uh, and I don't I don't even think that much change was uh, expected uh, in any case, because at the end of the day, one of the the, the main challenges that the country uh, is facing is. Uh, number one, a challenge of security, uh, which has taken years to uh, even uh, improve. Uh, and that improvement was not going to take place between August and now. Uh, the second issue that uh, Malians are contending with has to do with uh, uh, the economic conditions, the socio-economic conditions uh, that uh, people are experiencing. And uh, that has been worsened under uh, the covid-19 pandemic uh and so if you take those two and you take uh the fact that there is a, a, a essentially what 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 amounts to uh an absentee or weak state uh it is not possible to have expected that uh, things would have uh improved between august and now i think there's still a lot uh, that needs to be done, be- beginning with rebuilding uh, proper and functioning state institutions in Mali.
3: Dr. Manu, would you like to speak on that uh, weak state You know, in the absence of uh, a proper government and how that affects, um, it has just this um, ripple effect on everything that is supposed to function in a country?
6: Yes, I think my, my colleague is very right in highlighting uh, this point. Uh, The the key thing is that before the coup, Mali was facing quite uh, a a number of serious challenges. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. And in the past eight months, nothing has really changed. So we we, we talk about issues around extreme poverty, desertification, uh, intercommunal violence, terrorism. And then you have all the many actors that are are present in Mali, whether it's the European Union the uh, uh, UN, the African Union, France, all of this have combined to make governance or government in Mali extremely challenging. And as we've seen with uh, terrorism, uh, violence has been pushing uh, the Malian government out of many areas or many parts of of Mali. the, the, the problems of government have made it extremely difficult to change the human security situation for Malians, mm. And that hasn't changed. This government uh, came to power because people think, because the coup was actually popular in August uh, because people were expecting something different, but we haven't seen anything seriously different in eight months. So the problems will continue um how this government or this new military uh, government is going to deal with the problems is something we do not yet know mm-hmm. so we need to wait and see what they say and how they will go about addressing the challenges facing mali if not then we are just waiting for another uh, coup or another uh, collapse of the government mm-hmm.
3: That's the voice of Dr. Manu Lekunze from the University of Aberdeen. He's also joined by Dr. Mohamed Diata from the Institute for Security Studies. Let's go for a break. When we come back, we look at, um, you know, how um, the stability of Mali because of its position is very key to the to the region itself and uh, what steps need to be taken to restore some type of stability in Mali may take another year or so, even more. But um, surely there should be some conversations around uh, how the the country can can regain the stability that it so needs for the people that it uh, that it uh, that live in it. We'll do that after the break. Follow Channel Africa on these social media platforms. On Facebook, Channel Africa 1. On Twitter, at Channel Africa 1. And YouTube, on Channel Africa Radio. Our website, www.channelafrica.co.za. Channel Africa, from an African perspective.
6: It is a tough clash between Africa 11 and World 11. Africa has the possession. Bafana Bafana, great pass to the Mambas of Mars, then to the Crocodiles. Black Stars in the middle of the park, plays it to the right flank. Let's see if Arambe Stars can play across. Beautiful pass to Chipolo Polo. Africa wins a free kick in a superb scoring position. Super Eagles, Warriors of Zim, Uganda Crane standing together. Red Devils of Egypt in the mix. He takes a shot, one nil. Africa is leading.
1: This is Africa at Play, with sport from an African perspective. Live every Saturday and Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m.
6: Central African Time on DSTV Audio Bouquet, Channel 802, or stream live on channelafrica.co.za, Africa at Play.
3: Welcome back to African Dialogue. A reminder that in about sixteen to about eighteen minutes' time, we'll have an update from the Econ Desk, followed by the sports news, and at the top of the hour, Africa Midday is coming up. Well, on 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 African Dialogue today, we're looking at Mali. We're leaders of the fifteen-member. Economic Community of West African States held an emergency summit in Ghana's capital to respond to Malian military's ouster of a president and prime Minister for the second time. In nine months, Mali's neighbors and international powers fear that the latest revolt will jeopardize a commitment to hold a presidential election next February and undermine a regional fight against Islamist militants. We're on the line to Dr. Mohamed Diyata from the Institute for Security Studies, as well as Dr. Manu Lekenzu uh, from the University of Aberdeen. Thank you so much for giving us your time, gentlemen. Now, Dr. Yeah. Diyata, if we look at... um. The, how the actions of the militia uh, are becoming, you know, this regional and continental concern. Why is it then important for um, all countries concerned in this particular region to try reach some uh, agreement or try to assist Mali as much as possible?
2: Well, it's it's very simple. I think we we all know that uh, the Sahel region has been plagued with, uh, you know extremist uh, violence uh, across Mali, Niger, uh, Chad, Burkina Faso, uh, and even Nigeria. Uh, and so <clears throat> instability in Mali or lack of uh, actions uh, to deal with the situation in Mali, uh, you know, does have an impact on the fight uh, against, uh, uh, you know, this instability across uh, the entire region uh also stretching all the way to uh the coastal countries of of uh of West Africa uh so having uh, a a sense of uh stability in Mali uh in terms of a government that is there dealing with the challenges uh, that the country is facing is extremely important for Mali itself but also uh for the region uh as a whole
3: Dr. Manu, how are the actions of the militia becoming a regional and continental concern?
6: So uh, are we talking about terrorism here, right? Yes, we are. Uh, So, yeah, um, perhaps your listeners will know uh, ISIS, uh, Al-Qaeda in the Islamic Maghreb, Akim, uh, one of the now one of the most active terrorist groups around the world, and mm-hmm. they are centered in regions close to the Sahel. They operate in Mali, they operate in Burkina Faso, uh, Niger, and they collaborate with ISWAP in Nigeria and Boko Haram. So this is a serious regional uh, terrorism problem that affects uh, countries like Mali very, very seriously, and you have the G5 Sahel force which may, whose main purpose is to fight against terrorism in the region, but <clears> these <throat> terrorists understand the force very well and they're able to hide because they understand the terrain more than the external forces. They're able to hide from, uh, uh, from these forces and only operate when they know that they uh, they will operate peacefully or successfully, so it's very difficult to fight against this terrorism, and you, you you get progress, maybe things go quiet for a little while, but it comes back. So the problem in itself hasn't been resolved; uh, it continues to be a significant problem, and. Uh, what is happening in terms of politics in in Mali, in terms of the coup, doesn't say anything about this violence. So whether you have a civilian government or a military government, we are not seeing any prospects of successfully dealing with uh, the terrorist threat.
3: Also, um, you know, the African Union has condemned the coup, but beyond condemnation, uh, Dr. Manu, there's there's very little that a body like the AU can can do at, in this at, at this point in time
6: yes you're very right um, the, the AU can condemn they can even suspend uh, Mali as the ECOWAS has done but really underground it means nothing uh, they, they, the AU has a special envoy for Mali but basically it's just talk they meet they have meetings they talk they make uh, situation reports and all of that but it really doesn't uh add much to the calculus of security in, in Mali.
3: Let's take it forward now uh Dr. Mohamed Diyata. you know concrete steps that need to be taken um to assist Mali to 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 regain that stability that it needs. What what would those steps be?
2: Thanks. This is uh this is a, a a tough question to answer. I you know, I tend to think that um, in in all um, uh, internal challenges, uh, the, the the solution lies uh, squarely with uh, the people of of the country themselves. Uh, everything else will be uh, additional. Uh, so I think that the Malians themselves, the political actors as well as civil society and the people have to chart the path that they want to uh, to take in order to resolve their own uh, internal issues. Uh, I think my, my colleague reminded us that the August 2020 coup was uh, uh, popularly uh, supported. Uh, people had been on the streets for many weeks uh, to protest against the government uh, about the results of the uh, uh, legislative elections at the time, but also uh, the deterioration of... Um, the security situation, as well as the economic uh, and social conditions that people lived under. Uh, so I think that uh, that sort of dialogue still needs to take place uh, in Mali uh, as the first step to anything else. Uh, the way in which then ECOWAS and the African Union and other international partners uh, can assist is, you know, by, uh, by uh, uh, you know, backstopping. Uh, the efforts that the Malians themselves uh, are going or would then be taking uh, in that case. So I think for me, it's a it's a it's a national endeavour before uh, it becomes a regional or uh, international uh, uh, matter. Do
3: you do you think that uh, Dr. Diata, there's an active citizenry in, in Mali to to take this forward?
2: I think so I think so again uh with the coup in August and the months uh, preceding the coup we could see that uh you know the the people in Mali have the capacity to mobilize have the capacity to actually you know uh express their grievances as much as uh if you look you know beyond uh you know the the uh, the popular kind of uh uprisings that we saw then, uh, people would tell you uh, there were uh, some other forces pushing for it, uh, but I, I, I wouldn't think that, uh, uh, you know, the Malian society is not one that is, uh, that has an active citizenry, because in any case, before we saw Mali uh, tumble into this sort of instability, Mali was one of the, the countries on the continent uh, that was promising in terms of our. Uh, it was uh, slowly but surely moving, you know, towards a democratised kind of political system. Uh, So I think that historically, uh, at least over the past uh, 20, 25 years, it's been there. uh, And I do believe that the Malian people uh, are capable enough of, of, uh, you know, having those sort of discussions and really come up with with a plan for their own country.
3: Dr. Manu, uh, what will it take to... Um, restore uh, law and order stability in Mali?
6: That's a very, very, very big question. Um, because as we've been talking all along, um, Mali is a very challenging case. So what it will take to take Mali back to some sort of uh, normality, it's enormous and it's so challenging that you, know, you sometimes I wonder if it's possible. So you will have to start with uh, the social and political order in Mali. There are issues with regards to traditional forms of government, the issues with regards to religion, and then the issues with regards to the modern politics that you have in Mali. Then you have to go back to economics. right in Mali, the UN says around over 90% of uh, Malian territory is threatened by desertification. So you have to reimagine a country and uh, let me add, and, and, uh, Mali's population has doubled since 2000. So you have to reimagine an economy where the population is increasing and the land in which these people are living on is decreasing or threatened to, to, to decrease. And then you have to look at the Mining, for example, Mali is one of the biggest producers of gold. But why is Mali poor? Mm -hmm. You have to look at all those things to understand how you could reimagine Mali's economy to provide the needs for the common people. And then you have to look at the international relations of Mali. You know, who are the external actors that have interest in Mali and are manipulating internal politics in Mali? So it's very difficult. Uh, um, environment for Mali and no one is really speaking to the fundamentals of uh, mm. of the problems facing Mali. You know, you, you hear the European mm. Union has sent peacekeepers or they've sent uh, special forces to fight terrorism. Yeah, but terrorism is a product of something else. Uh, you hear that someone has taken a coup, you've taken over the government. Yes, but the government wasn't performing in the first place, so it's very, very challenging. Uh, Mali needs a, a, a new model. You know, Mali is and um, the, the important thing is that Mali is ahead of many African countries. So when you look around the region, Mali is actually the future of many uh, uh, states in that region. so we really need to be thinking that what is the new model for states like Mali our African states in the 21st century and the experiments could be started with Mali.
3: Speaking of of that new model, I'm just thinking uh, now as well, Dr Manu, that um, the the militia's influence in Mali's politics is is very, very significant. Um, Do we know, uh, you know, just a bit of background, perhaps it it dates back a couple of years ago, um, you know, how the militia became so, so strong in Mali?
6: So. Mali, uh, like many other um, African states, uh, are mixed, so ethnically mixed, and in some cases in Mali, racially mixed. So, uh, and then religiously, uh, with Mali predominantly Muslim, but within uh, Islam, you have different uh, variations. So, Mali had the problem where northern Mali is, uh, you have Tuareg groups. Uh, some of which considered themselves to not to be uh, black. Uh, And so there were always that contention between southern Mali, which is dominated by black Fulani, uh, and this group. So you you have these tensions where the north always wanted to break away. And we had various groups appearing over the years to claim independence uh, uh, in, in northern Mali. Then you had this uh, income of uh, incoming of uh, uh, the war on terror, where you now have Al Qaeda and ISIS coming to form Islamic states in, in 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 Mali or in northern Mali. So th- these groups have been there all along. It's just that based on different government policies, you're able to contain uh, one group this year, but next year or in five years, another group. Pops up. So throughout uh, Mali's history, these divisions, these armed divisions have existed. Uh, they just become more pronounced or more powerful when the Malian government is weaker, relatively weaker. So uh, you know, the, the violence is there, and as I said, you need a new model, model to reimagine how people can live together in that space called Mali.
3: Dr. Diata, what are your uh, final sentiments now? So, um, you know, where to from here? We're expecting that the elections would be held in in February.
2: Yes, I do want to agree with my uh, my my brother on the line that uh, Mali needs a new uh, a new model, Mm. a new state model, uh, if not even just a, a new model of governance, right? Uh, He alluded to different governance, uh, government policies that have, you know, excluded or included at times uh, uh, vast sections of of the population. I think the biggest challenge for Mali, but also for many countries uh, across this continent, uh, is really how to manage diversities uh, within our national borders. How do you make sure that everyone in uh, your country internally? uh is you know uh included and represented in the governance of the country uh in the economy of the country uh and i think that 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 is really the the, the biggest challenge across this continent uh in terms of mali briefly going forward i think that uh, uh again a national uh discussion has to take place among the malians themselves uh and i think that uh both ECOWAs Uh, The African Union and uh, the other partners of Mali have to be there also in support uh, of these uh, national uh, initiatives.
3: Well, we'll leave it right there with you, gentlemen. Thank you so much, as always, for giving us time on African Dialogue, understanding the politics of Mali. It's always difficult from, um, when you're mediating because you have to listen very carefully to both speakers and lots of knowledge there from both of you. Thank you. That's the voice of Dr. Mohamed Diata from the Institute for Security Studies as well as Dr. Manu Lekende from the University of Aberdeen. Thank you both so much.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.
3: Okay, it's almost time for the economic update. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we say good morning to Onel and Zinzi.
0: Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story.
6: What we want to achieve is a healthy and vibrant economy which can ensure full employment,
4: I'm an african woman my womb carries the seeds of greatness that shall raise our forefather's land to its glory days happy
1: africa man.
0: Have you ever asked yourself, what on earth am I here for?
6: When God placed
1: his image in us, he placed a sense of eternity within us. What is my purpose in life? I was made for greatness. I just don't know what it is yet, but I was made for greatness. Life by
0: Design explores the journey of people from around the continent who live a life of purpose. They share their experience on how they discovered what they were meant to do. Join me, Amanda Machaga, every Monday at 8.05 Central African Time for your weekly dose of Monday motivation only on channel Africa the African perspective
6: life by design be the update of Of your your life
4: The latest economic news update, I am on LNC. First Bank of Nigeria Limited Nigeria's premier and leading financial inclusive services provider has been ranked the second most admired financial services brand in Africa for a second straight year. The award was given at the 2021 Brand Africa 100 Africa's best brand event held on Africa Day recently. The bank's international business presence includes FBN Bank UK Limited in London and Paris, FBN Bank in the Republic of Congo, Ghana, The Gambia, Guinea, Sierra Leone, and senegal as well as representative office in beijing brand africa is an integration intergenerational movement inspire, inspiring a great africa through promoting a positive image of africa celebrating its diversity and driving its competitiveness At least 15 Cameroonian government ministers and several dozen companies have appeared before commissions of investigation. Cameroon rights groups, opposition political parties, and local media are asking the government to publish its findings. After most of the 335 million US dollars funds to stop the spread of COVID-19 was declared missing, Mawke Kinzeka explains.
6: This is the voice of Solicitor Lavoisier Tapi. he is legal advisor of the Opposition SDF party. He says it is unfortunate that Cameroon President Paul Bia has allowed ministers who have swindled the people's health money in power. He says they should be asked to resign and then arrested immediately to respond to charges of mismanagement or embezzlement
2: ils ont été entendus par les officiers de police judiciaire
4: The Restaurants Association of South Africa says they are satisfied that government is supporting the continued business operations by the restaurants industry. This after President Sir Ramaphosa has put the country on adjusted level 2, citing a concern on increase in COVID-19 cases. However, restaurants and the sales of alcohol have not been affected by the new adjustment. The hours of curfew will start at 11 p.m. and end at 4 a.m. The Association CEO, Wendy Albert, says they were concerned if there would be further restrictions on restaurants. It's critical to recognize that the industry
0: certainly is committed to playing our part, and as we channel through the different levels of lockdown, it's imperative that we keep our patrons, staff, restaurants, and the restaurant businesses safe. It's critical that our businesses were not interrupted, interrupted abruptly, and it caused further economical loss or jobs.
4: Management in South Africa's Table Mountain Cableway Way says the COVID-19 is continuing to impact negatively on bookings and tourism. Managing Director Wahida Parker says the virus has caused a significant decline in business travellers and holidaymakers. She says she's hopeful that bookings will spike once the vaccination process is fully underway. I also believe that the city of Cape Town set a... And Cape Town Tourism have done a phenomenal job to keep our country top of mind, even during this pandemic, so that we are assured that when travels resumes, uh, that ours will be the destination of choice. Lastly, Iran's oil output can easily reach 6.5 million barrels per day when U.S. sanctions are lifted. Iranian oil minister Biavaya Zangane said an increase in Iranian oil output would boost the country's political power as Tehran and world powers pursue talks to lift the U.S. sanctions and that have stopped it from pumping anywhere near capacity since 2018. Former U.S. President Donald Trump ditched Iran's 2015 nuclear deal with six powers three years ago and reimposed sanctions that have crippled Iran's oil brilliant economy. Iranian authorities say sanctions have only delayed the moment when it will produce the oil in its vast reserves which the world will eventually need. Now looking at your financial indicators, one U.S. dollar is trading at 409.59 Nigerian Nara, 10.52 Butwanapula, 107.18 Kenyan Shilling and 22.46 Zambian Quacha. In BRICS currencies, the dollar is trading at 5.22 Brazilian Heu, 73.16 Russian Ruble, 72.27 Indian Rupees, 6.36 Chinese Yuan and 13.73 South African Rands. The U.S. dollar is also trading at 70 pence to the British pounds and 82 cents to the Euro. And in your commodity, gold is trading at $1,904 and platinum at $1,185 per ounce, while the price of Brent Quidorah is quoted at $69.37 a barrel.
3: Over to you, Musibudi Makura with the sports news.
1: Thank you, Ayanna. Good day. Sports fans, Egyptian basketball giants, Zamalek, have won the inaugural season of the Basketball Africa League after defeating Tunisia's U.S. Monstir um, 76-63 and the final at the Kigali Arena in Rwanda on Sunday. Now, Petro Rwanda finished third after defeating Rwanda's Patriots BBC 97-68 in the third place playoff match. Also played on Sunday at the same venue. Now, Zamalek's Walter Hodge was uh, named the Hakim Olujuan, BLA most valuable player of the season after leading his team to an undefeated 6-0 record with per game averages of 15.5 points, 5.7 assists as well as 5.0 rebounds. Now, additional awards will be announced later today on the BLA's social media platforms including the BLA All-First Team, the 2021 BLA Scoring Champion as well as the Ubuntu Award which is awarded to an individual or organisation that has made an impact on the local community during the first season of the Basketball Africa League. Now, um, South Africa's President Cyril Ramaphosa has congratulated Bito Mossimane for Al-Akhli's Continental Cup victory. On Friday, Mossimane's Red Devils of Egypt secured the title after a 2-0 win over RS Bikane of Morocco. Ramaphosa said Mossimane is an outstanding flag-bearer for the country and for football. He says his outstanding performance and that of his club shows that, or rather shows what is possible when talent moves freely around the continent to unite people from diverse backgrounds as well as national origin and inspire them to achieve extraordinary things. Now, it was a record-extending seventh Super Cup success for Al-Akhli, who are the most successful team on the continent with nine African Champions League titles. Zambia's national women's football team, also known as the Copper Queen's international friendly match against Mozambique, has been called off. The friendly match has been called off due to Mozambique citing the challenge posed by the COVID-19 pandemic. The Football Association of Zambia's communications manager, Sydney Mongala, confirmed the development in an interview. The Copper Queens, who are in camp preparing for the upcoming Olympics, are however expected to play a few friendly matches against both African and non-African opposition, with the European camp on the cards. Towards the Olympic Games. Now, Zamin correspondent Namu reports.
2: They are claiming to say, like last time they contacted Kenya, Kenya promised them to say we are coming, but Kenya at the last minute it decided to not to pull out. So it's Mozambique now. So they're saying it is beyond them. There is nothing that they can do. Their job is to talk to these countries. If these countries promise to say we are coming and they change at the last minute, there is nothing that we can do as the Football Association of Zambia. So we, we we are going to wait to see if we, indeed the Chipolopolo boys will be able to play the name Sudan and the Senegal the next month. <laughs>
1: Under tennis news, world number two Naomi Osaka faces expulsion from the French Open and future Grand Slams if she continues to refuse to speak to the media. That's according to the organizers. Now Japan's Osaka said last week she will not give any news conferences during Roland Garros because she wants to protect her mental health. She was fined however $15,000 for not appearing or rather doing a media interview after Sunday's first round win over Romania's Patricia Maria Teague. She defeated the Romanian six four and seven six and meanwhile our fourth seed and u.s open champion dominic tim who has never been beaten in the first round and seven previous visits squandered a two-set lead to lose four six five seven six three six four six four to 35 year old pablo aduguer of spain on sunday despite that defeat tim hopes he will bounce back
4: as i said before the tournament it's it's a A big learning
3: process and um, despite the loss which hurt so much, I I still hope I can uh, bounce back stronger than before. But,
1: well, right now I don't know when the moment is coming. Those are your sports news at the Sun. I'm back with more sports news on Africa Midday.
3: That's it from the African Dialogue team. Thank you to our producers, Dumelo Zulu and Benjamin Moshatama. Thank you to Tidimalo Magau, our technical producer. Up next is Africa Midday.